0: You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 121. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Hello,
1: everyone. You've reached
0: another Local Maximum, uh, episode 121. Aaron, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great. Gotta love the palindrome episodes.
0: Yeah, so uh, slow news week. Yeah, n- nothing happened. Once out again, there. everyone I, stayed home.
1: The end, I, right?
0: I I wonder what's the last time we started an episode where we said slow news week, where it actually was a slow news week? Because I'm pretty sure there was one, but um, <laughs> I I don't know what I, it is.
1: I suppose technically we are in the the slow uh, slow television season because right back back when calendars mattered, that was that was summer. All the SNL's gone home, and all the regular. Uh, Regular television series are on, on break.
0: Uh, yeah, now everyone's on break. Yeah, so. but, I
1: mean, And that was in the before times when we didn't just yeah. get a full season dropped and binge watch it all at once. Thanks, Netflix. All right.
0: Well, before we get into some of the news, which is not all good news, I do have some good news for the podcast today because today's episode has two sponsors. Uh, so people are really liking the show. And so I know a lot of people find value from the show. So I want you to listen to these and like check these out. First of all. If you work as a software engineer particularly, you might be interested in continuous integration tools and uh, you know to help yourself and help your company. And ActiveState has been making open source uh, easier for developers to use and simpler for enterprises to adopt for more than 20 years. And they are currently looking to improve the state of the world with continuous integration and continuous deployment of their product line. And uh, they have a survey that you can take that... Um, I will link at localmaxradio.com slash 121. Thrilled to have them as a new sponsor. Aaron, isn't this exciting? We're having sponsors now. Yeah, we're we're moving on up. Moving on up. Second, And, and these are great products, so I'm really excited. The second one, and this is relevant to everyone in the audience. That means you, the listener. This is Brilliant. They have an app and a website, brilliant.org. They have a fun, interactive courses to help you beef up your skills in math and science. I'm telling you, it's like playing a video game, but instead you'll get smarter. So also localmaxradio.com slash 121. Amazing. And uh, just like clockwork, I said that the, the 110s were about coronavirus. <laughs> I think that uh, we have reached the end of coronavirus news domination. Wouldn't you agree?
1: certainly not the end of the coronavirus but yeah other stuff's happening which I wouldn't say is completely independent of coronavirus no but it's it's diverging okay paths let's here.
0: let's 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 cut to the chase here and I don't know how to how to say it but this is the first episode hopefully the last episode where there are literally riots going on right behind me out the window I don't really see it I saw police cars going by uh, but really at the Barclays Center here about three blocks away uh, Fort Green I I'm just going to talk about my personal experience a little bit. The world doesn't need another take on this right now because (laughs) I've just been reading Twitter and Facebook and there's too much information out there to sift through. Um, I was walking around Friday night when this was when it supposedly started and I didn't see anything. It was very quiet where I was. Uh, But I got back. I went to Connecticut over the weekend. and got back today. Uh, Very peaceful protest near Barclays Center when I was walking around during the day. Uh, But the age of social distancing is definitely over and then a nightfall poof i don't know look i've been reading twitter about some people say it's fine some people say all hell is breaking loose i i can't we don't know until tomorrow but uh, and people sift through this but
1: yeah, it's it's I, hard to it's, wrap your head around how how isolated some of these pockets seem to be that it's it's Hyper-localized where it's happening, and and you don't have to go far to almost be be cocooned out of it that you you aren't aware it's happening other than you know what's what's going on on social media right now. Yeah, no, that, I mean that it's could change though.
0: In the building, it was it's scarier um, watching it on TV from Connecticut than it is actually being in the building here, hmm. um, which is really weird. Uh, but that's that's just the way it feels to be. Living in Brooklyn in 2020, I don't know what else to say. Um, all the issues around it, I guess we'll slowly cover some of them uh, in the next, you know, in, in the local maximum as we go forward. If someone wants to come on the show and and talk about what's going on, happy to talk to you. You might hear some sirens out there, although I find that you know, uh, previously, like the fire trucks and ambulances are actually much louder than the police, so we don't hear that. We're not probably not going to hear them as much, uh, but. Anyway, this is uh, these are crazy times. Um, so, ready to get into some... Oh, wait, before we get into the news story, uh, I don't know if you listened to episode 120 and 119, but a lot of the statistical stuff that I've been doing, I've, I've really enjoyed, uh, including the, um, the Bayesian versus frequentist in 119 and some of the coronavirus stats that are either annoying me or, or coming out <laughs> good in 120. So, hopefully... We'll, we'll kind of cycle back to that in the next few episodes.
1: Yeah, and, and I think there's going to be a lot more uh, data of interest coming about as, as most states have moved into phase one or, or you know, phase one and a half or two and a half uh, in their, their multi-step reopening plan. Uh, how, how things change in the face of that uh, is, is going to provide hopefully some, some good insight into what we're really dealing with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm hoping to just, you know, because we have a very technical show, a very product oriented show, I'm hoping to interview someone uh, to talk about, uh, you know, data graphic design, sort of the intersection between design and data presentation, data visualization. Yeah. That, and so that would
1: be fascinating because that's been a key piece of this from from pretty much the beginning is no nobody wants to look at formulas and, and boring Excel sheets that the, the effective communicators have been using some some slick graphic design here.
0: Exactly, exactly. So very quick uh, uh, news article here. Twitter coming down hard on President Trump and uh, Trump coming down hard on Twitter. They certainly do not like each other these days. <laughs> uh, they've always had this love-hate relationship because they kind of need each other in some ways. Um I think we could do a whole episode on this sort of stuff, and we have before, so this is just kind of just kind of updating updating you here so Twitter has started flagging some of Trump's tweets, some of them they flagged as inciting violence, others they flagged as uh needing fact checking or being fact check um, There was one weird one about mail in ballots that he was saying. Uh, if it, if we went to all mail-in, there'd be a lot of fraud. They're saying, no, it, it wouldn't be, but that's that's predictions about the future, so that's kind of a strange fact check. Um, but in response, Trump directed the FCC to look at Section 230, which limits liability from defamation lawsuits for these online communities, which is, uh, in some ways, well, people consider... Did that
1: consider come up it, in your episode with Naomi Brockwell?
0: So that was a little different. That was saying the government and this was from coming from Congress, they were going to limit liability, uh, limit liabilities. They were going to get rid of it unless you did what the government wanted in terms of encryption. So if you allow right. so backdoor encryption. It's the
1: same lever, but being uh, perhaps uh, pulled in a different direction here.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if, if it's the exact same le- le- uh, lever, but it sounds similar. You know, I, well, I, I guess myself. the
1: FCC acting on it would be different than Congress acting on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So- Man, the the government, has, I mean, if, if there's one takeaway, the government has a lot of leverage over these, um, you know, social media giants, which almost creates something of monopolistic conditions, which is not good. Yeah, well, um, it's,
1: yeah, Section 230 is is uh, kind of a, a political mind, well, it's, it's a minefield at the intersection of politics and, and communication technology. And I guess one way to think of it is that we, we wouldn't be where we are today without it. Um,
0: yeah, it's like the lifeblood of the Internet in some ways. And
1: and and depending on where you're standing uh, and which way you're looking, that could be an amazing thing or the, the root of all evil here. That, yeah, we don't we don't get here from there without it. Uh, and that's not all good and it's not all bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, so one quote that I just pulled out here from law school professor Andrew Koppelman. Uh, President Trump wants to be able to disseminate falsehoods without those falsehoods being answered. It's hard to find a clearer violation of the First Amendment than that. So it and, and I sort of agree, like these companies should be able to uh, mark things up however they want. Of course, don't pretend that these companies are always going to be right in the way they mark things up. You know, yeah. so the fact checkers or- will be wrong. And for the
1: for the Twitter Luddites out there, which which may just be me, but indulge me for a minute here. When when you I say wish, that I, I, I wish <laughs> so
0: much, Aaron, that I could get off Twitter and Facebook. It would I, I've gotten off cable news and I know that's made my life a lot better. I bet getting off Twitter and Facebook Well, you've been off for a long time. Facebook is not even the Facebook that you were complaining about five years ago. It's much worse.
1: I'm 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 glad to have jumped off that moving train when I did. But so when yeah. when they flag a, uh, a tweet, so for example, this one about the mail-in ballots, does that mean that that it just has like a a little little sticky note next to it, or yes. they they do have to? Because I've I've seen sometimes when there's something that might be you know violent or disturbing in nature, they'll do the thing where they they give you a warning and you have to click a button to actually see the tweet. Is it like that, or is or is it more? Uh, more they've just put a little uh, you know a, a so little banner on it.
0: No, yeah, they put a little banner on it saying like, you know, they'll they'll push put put out his tweet on mail and ballots, and they'll be like, now learn the truth, click here, mm. sort of a thing, you know, fact check, you know, get 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 your facts here about about this topic, something like that. Yeah, um, I know,
1: so, uh, was it was it Medium that was doing for anything remotely COVID related? They'd have the. The little banner on there that was basically, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Click here to get to our like, you know, COVID dashboard for basically the the endorsed material about it. We're not we're not going to. Well, I I guess there were some cases of them not publishing stuff. But but in general, they're not going to, you know, block the publishing of things. But they're going to paint everything that they haven't fact checked with the this might not be fact checked brush.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like when the when the president tweets it they'll just put the sticky note, but maybe when someone else tweets it, they'll actually hide it. Yeah, but well, there's, I, there's definitely you been can a, a double you, you, you.
1: standard with with uh, uh, yeah. presidential tweets, and and that's something that they've agonized over at, at length. Uh, and and I'm, I'm sure we've talked about it on previous episodes about sure. Twitter's uh, kind of contortions of, of their policy in order to to stand by that.
0: So so Trump can respond to these. It's not like they they just say, oh, that's not true. And then he's not allowed to write something underneath. Right. He totally is allowed to get into an argument with the fact checkers. But that's, uh, that's too much work. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, be- no, I mean, we- I'd love that if one of my tweets got fact checked and I disagreed with the fact checker and I was having a Twitter fight with them, that would be a, a very interesting discussion.
1: <laughs> Be- before we roll on past it uh, on, on the topic of mail-in ballots, I, I will uh, disclose that I, I did drop off my mail-in ballot at the uh, at town hall yesterday. So I've done my civic duty uh, and, and now I can I- ignore local politics until it becomes problematic again.
0: Yep. They're currently remarking up your ballot. <laughs>
1: but I sealed it. I signed it and I sealed it. <laughs> I... <laughs> I managed not to get a paper cut.
0: Yeah, that's um, very dangerous. Uh, going into the voting booth, uh, I plan on voting in person if I can uh, over the next few weeks. So, wish me luck. Um, if there is still a Fort Green, uh, I will be out and 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 uh, and <laughs> heading it. Yeah. Well, so, so
1: so not a, not a topic for today, but I'm going to throw this out there. As something we might want yeah. to talk about in the future. Um, but uh, if we do make the move to to mail in ballots or or uh, perhaps electronic voting at not at the polling places there, there certainly are ways that you can do that more securely. Um, but I will venture that if we do move to mail-in ballots for the 2020 election, none of those enhanced security procedures will be able to be put in place given the timeline. Yeah. Gonna drop that there and move on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. So if you're like me, um, and, and this is to the to all the software engineers and, and uh, you know, tech employees in the audience. If you're like me, you're constantly thwarted and mystified by your build tools and your continuous integration tools at work as a software engineer or architect. I don't know if you face this, Aaron, but I face this everywhere at work. And there are some of you out there, some group of special people who are really great, you're really interested in improving internal tools at your company, We need you people because this stuff drives me crazy. I'm telling you, I'm so thankful for you people. So I want to tell you about ActiveState today. ActiveState has been making open source easier for developers to use and simpler for enterprises to adopt for more than 20 years. ActiveState helps enterprises scale securely with open source languages and gives developers the kinds of tools they love to use. More than 2 million developers and 97% of Fortune 1000 enterprises use ActiveState to support mission-critical systems and speed up software development while enhancing oversight and increasing quality. So they are inviting all of us to do a survey. I've done the survey. I'll tell you, you could take it if you work in software. Uh, if you're if you're a programmer developer, you can take it if you're in like DevOps and architect, you definitely want to take this um, so because I had to kind of look up oh what tools do we use at Foursquare so I don't always know but I was able to take it and so it's to understand the state of integration and deployment tools at your company uh, so definitely check that out at localmaxradio.com slash 121 I'll link to it and check out their products as well. Maybe your company is due for a change. In the continuous integration department, or if you just want to learn more about these tools, because it's something every software shop needs today. All right, now we have another wonderful uh, tech news story for you. I, I promise, Aaron, the-, the the positive one I think is coming at the end. Here we just have one more that's oh, a little I- bit.
1: I certainly hope so. <laughs>
0: A 15-year-old steals $20 million in Bitcoin. And this is why I get paranoid when I, uh, when I deal with any of this stuff. You really have to be. So this is a 15-year-old high school student. Uh, he was 15 years old at the time. I think he's 18 now. Um, in Westchester, uh, Irvington, Westchester, I, I want to say, something like that. Uh, it's, it's near White Plains. Are you familiar with the area, Aaron?
1: Uh, I, I I know where Westchester is, but I, I couldn't tell you any of the towns for for our not uh, northeastern listeners, that's uh, a county uh, north of New York City.
0: It's I assume very similar to where we grew up in in Connecticut. So just some kid riding around some suburban slash rural town uh, and uh, he's um, he's essentially he's doing heists and he's organizing lots of people. Uh, here's so he's, the not, post. he's
1: not Bitcoin mining he's he's literally stealing Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you I do, doesn't in a second, but here's, here's some of the quotes uh, from an insider. Uh, uh, an insider told the New York Post, he would tell everyone what to do during the heists. He bragged about the Turpin robbery. Uh, that's the guy's name who he robbed Turpin, who's a, who's a big-time investor and an early adopter of Bitcoin technology. So he bragged about the Turpin robbery being his job. He's a very smart guy and a control freak. If you piss him off, he would start texting you from weird numbers and threaten you. He'd call your parents and say weird things. So, I mean, I've seen people kind of verge on the edge of that. Have you ever uh, dealt with someone who, who's gone crazy and has tried to contact you from a different number? Because I've, I've seen that, but nothing to this extent. Yeah, cer- Coin- certainly
1: not at that level.
0: Point Telegraph says, after Turpin's attorney contacted Pinsky's mother, that's got what Pinsky, what's his last name? Why did I not uh, write their oh, last name? I assume that Pinsky line? was his last name. Uh, or Sorry, his first name. Uh, Ellis Pinsky. Uh, and and uh, who was the... Um, uh, Michael Turpin. Okay, I, I forgot to write their first name. So after, uh, Ellis Turp- uh, so after uh, Michael Turpin's attorney contacted Ellis Pinsky's mother, the teen sent $2 million in cryptocurrency and cash to the plaintiff and a one hundred thousand dollar watch, uh, however, made no admission of guilt. That is so weird.
1: It's it's odd that if 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 in fact and it, I I haven't read the backstory here, if if he stole the twenty million dollars from Turpin, that he thought he could buy them off to make them go away with two million dollars.
0: <laughs> yeah, that.
1: Uh- I, I can't expect that they're get, that, that, that the Turpin's going to be willing to take a 90 percent haircut on on that
0: yeah no so Turpin uh, has a lawsuit now for 71 million dollars um, and uh, well we'll see what happens but it sounds like uh, I don't want to you know this is all alleged I got to say alleged but uh, <laughs> if he's guilty it sounds like a crazy situation where some sociopath kid thought he was never going to get caught
1: so so how, i'm i'm curious how he got caught and also i i, oh, I want to make yes, a note yes i read of, this you you said this took pl- took place in you said it was like 3 or 4 years ago uh
0: yeah 3 years ago i think
1: yeah so the i don't know if it's it took them a while to catch him or if it's just the wheels of justice turn very slowly but
0: no it's one of his accomplices got caught in another heist ah. so that's what happened yeah his, his he was 15 he had a 16 year old accomplice him. Yeah, he, he had a 16-year-old accomplice who he was always bullying, according to these articles, and then the 16-year-old turned
1: him in. There's, there's some, some lesson to be learned there about uh, employee satisfaction um, <laughs> yeah. a, and or leaving no witnesses. I, I don't know which is the, the takeaway we want to bring to this.
0: This is what scares me about today's world. Some kid is just going to come around and take everything from you. I, yeah, I don't know what to say. So, so I, how did he do it? Yeah. Well, first of all, like there are some pretty smart people in our high school, but I don't remember anyone who was coming close to doing anything like this.
1: Well, uh, well maybe they just didn't get caught. Uh,
0: that's maybe they were even smarter. That's true. <laughs> you say that like it might be you. I'm getting a little concerned. <laughs> you know, so this is, uh, this is something to be uh, to think about. Um when, when it comes to your own conser- uh, security, he did this through something called SIM card swapping. So, if you ever uh, get a new iPhone, you go to the Apple store. You have this physical SIM card in your phone. They click it out and they uh, put a. They they usually take out your SIM card and put it in your new phone. It's like a tiny. I don't know. It's like a few millimeters across, um, and so that's sort of what attaches your identity to the phone. Now. SIM card swapping. To me, at first, it sounded like he was taking the SIM card out of your phone. I'm like, how do you get the guy's phone? No, they don't do that. You know, they don't. They don't. They don't actually swap your SIM card for another one. They simply call your carrier, like Verizon or AT and T, and they say, Ah, oh, I've lost my phone or whatever, and they use some of your personal data that they get, and they convince them that they are you, and to switch control of your phone number to themselves, the thieves. Uh, so it's been shown to be very insecure, which is, which is very, which is kind of a surprising fact. If you think about it, like you'd think that these companies like Verizon and AT&T would be better at, um, you know, would have better processes for doing this, but apparently they do not. Yeah. Well, this, this and, is a
1: classic example of social engineering that, uh, invariably the weakest link, uh, in, in any electronic system is a human.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's, It's not just the human, though. The humans do require some information to prove that you're the person, but apparently not much. Uh, I don't know exactly what they require. Um, So this is why oftentimes you have two-factor authentication. If you want something really secure, you have a password, and then you also have uh, something on your phone, usually like a Google Authenticator app. But some of them use SMS.
1: Don't use SMS two-factor authentication for online banking. That's a big no. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, like a a lot of the credit card companies will have better checks on, um, you know, hey, if you're taking out something, this kind of looks fraudulent. But, yeah, definitely not a good idea. Uh, Rely on authentication, like Google authentication that is based on data that is stored physically or just inside your phone uh, as much as possible. Now, this um, this is interesting dilemma here because this is, you know, I have a bunch of two-factor authentications. I have papers somewhere with all of my passwords to redo it on my phone. When I got a new phone, some of my two-factor authentications from, from work, I didn't copy over. I didn't have the data and I had to go to help desk at work. And this is when the pandemic was just firing up and it was a real pain in the neck. Um, and so I'm sort of worried about the average person being able to do this properly.
1: Yeah, that's that's been a, a mild concern for me as well because I've I've moved to almost exclusively and and this isn't it, this isn't specifically on the two factor side, but I've I've done it for that as well. Um, I use a, a password manager that that I I primarily interface with on my phone, um, and then access to that password manager requires two factor authentication,
0: mm. for which
1: I use uh, a you know a a, a one time password generator on my phone. So if I physically you know if, if my phone falls in the toilet and dies, uh, I don't actually know any of my passwords anymore, since they're you
0: know. Oh, that's scary.
1: Twenty you... something characters long and totally random, uh, and I mean, there, so there there are some things I, that that you yeah you thought and of I've having like a have, you know paper backups physical, of, yeah, paper of backup. some key pieces so that you can kind of unlock your master password again, uh, but but it it does make you dependent on on. Uh, what what could potentially be a single point of failure there that it gives you Which... much greater security in in moving away from easily guessable passwords uh, but you you want to be careful that that yeah that you don't you don't accidentally put your yourself in a position where you've you've locked yourself out of that information or or it's... conversely if your phone physically gets stolen uh, you want to make sure that that's that's not enough to completely steal your identity with it there too because phones do get stolen
0: this is still uh, you know, I think an active area for entrepreneurship because there's there are companies like one password and, and, and stuff like that to keep your password safe and two-factor authentication. But I don't think anyone's, I think there's still gotta be some clever my gut's telling me there's gotta be some clever ways to to crack this and get this um, much more secure than it is. Because again, yeah, it, we have good, there are good ways to score things, but it's it's the human that's the problem. And especially if you want the like the average person dealing with their security to uh, to deal with it well. I, um, I, I I I think it's gonna be tough. And it's not just people who have Bitcoin, it's not just people who have cryptocurrency. Uh, the SIM card swapping, this can do a lot of damage to, to anyone.
1: Yeah, well, and, and in a world where we uh, hopefully move away from the Googles and the Amazons and and whoever having all this metadata on us that, that maybe we can move to where we personally control that information more, uh, then having good security on that uh, is going to become even more important.
0: All right, so one of the challenges that I have on this show is describing... All of these rich probabilistic concepts, like, um, like like Bayesian inference, and overfitting and underfitting, and uh, and priors, and trying to describe them in an audio format, wouldn't you agree? That's tough sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's it. You've you got to paint a picture, uh, and not always easy to do that.
0: All right. Well, we're going to keep trying to do that on Local Maximum, but I want to tell you about a new sponsor that I'm really excited about. Actually, this is the second time doing it, but there's still a new sponsor. I checked out some of their courses recently, and I think that you should check it out too. It's called Brilliant. Um, it's not like other online courses. You're not going to have to sit through long videos and download PDFs. It's very visual. It's an interactive way to learn concepts in math, probability, and science. And I always say this, the most important part of learning a new concept is to be able to get a good intuition for it, to understand what it means and what's going on. I talked about the pitfalls of memorization a few episodes ago, as you recall. So if you want to dive deeper and actively learn some of the concepts that I've introduced here in the local maximum, whether it's logic or probability, or all the way to something like group theory or quantum mechanics, go to brilliant.org or the app. It's a great way to go and, you know, I know I have a bunch of things to brush up on. Aaron, you checked it out for like a minute, right? I, I'm going to have to send you more so you could tell us about your experience when you come back.
1: Yeah, well, so I, I, I was looking through some of the, the course offerings, and, and one that caught my eye uh, speaks to our, our next topic a little bit. Uh, but uh, they've got uh, in their, their classic mechanic, classical mechanics section, they've got a little uh, dynamics boot camp series of courses. Uh, and, and under the momentum section, they have uh, a lesson on the rocket equation. So sneak peek, you know where we're going next.
0: Yeah, and I I certainly need to learn about some of this stuff. So I'm, I'm definitely going to check this out. So you want to go to brilliant.org slash local maximum. Uh, the first 200 people who do it will get 20% off membership to Brilliant. Uh, and so uh, that's, uh, that's a pretty good deal. Remember, it's called Brilliant. You can take the courses on their website. Uh, or their app so you can get it on your phone and your tablet but remember to sign up and go directly to brilliant.org slash local maximum to get the discount or find my link at localmaxradio.com slash 121 all right so this means we're going about to uh into space which seems to be the only good thing going on over the last few (laughs) days um yeah to find some good
1: news we have to leave the earth
0: Yeah. Well, what was it? Um, um, There there was a tweet that I was reading and it was like, congratulations to the astronauts who left Earth today. Good choice. (laughs) 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 I thought that kind of summed it up. Um, But the astronauts who left Earth in 1969 and landed on the moon. uh, I don't think that everything was going on on that day, but it was still a very uh, crazy uh, few years at the time um so but look uh, we are I, I want to cover this as, as part of our kind of emerging technology series and this is SpaceX um, this is Elon Musk's company this is the first launch in the United States since 2011 uh, I don't know if you remember do you remember when they retired the shuttle I think that was in 2011
1: I I do yeah yeah I, I... It is one of my great regrets that I didn't make the road trip down there to actually watch a shuttle launch before they they shut down the program.
0: Well, now you could watch another launch. Yeah. I, remember, I remember being at the Foursquare office in 2012 when they took the space shuttle to the Intrepid in New York. And I believe I saw, I don't know, I remember seeing it coming through the harbor. I don't know if it was on TV or if it was out a window. It was one of those two. Uh, maybe I saw it both, but I'm pretty sure I actually saw it not, like, live up and close in person. I wasn't, like, at the river, but I remember being in some building and watching it, you know, at the window. I could see, like, a small – like, I could see the space shuttle in the distance. I'm <laughs> being um, – or, or did I see it being flown in? Was it was it flown in or was it boated in? I think it was flown in. I think I saw it being flown
1: in. I see. I, 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 I'm sure they couldn't have flown it onto the aircraft carrier, but but they –
0: I think I saw it being flown on top of a plane. It was really cool. Yeah, it
1: was designed for that way uh, because uh, they do not land or they did not land the space shuttle uh, where they launch it from. Uh, So they needed a way to transport it across the country.
0: Yeah. So uh, what's notable in this launch over this last weekend, it's certainly not – it's notable. It's certainly not – you know the the uh, Apollo Eleven notable, but it's it's notable. It's this is a commercially made spacecraft, commercially made spacesuits that look so different. They look much cooler. They're like they're <laughs> sleeker, uh, they're more stylish, um, and um, and so this is this is the private space race. The private space race has begun. Probably more accurately, kind of a public private partnership, but uh, still, it's sort of a new era. In space travel, I would have expected it to be kicked off right now. By now, there's been a lot of setbacks in the private space industry, but uh, looks like it's not going away.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 uh, a mutually beneficial uh, situation here because not only is is uh, Elon Musk's SpaceX getting a significant amount of government funding to to, uh, to to somewhat defray the cost of the development of the Dragon capsule. And and the uh, the Falcon Heavy, um, they're they're also uh, providing this uh, capability to the government at a dramatic fraction of the cost that it that it's taking uh, the traditional industry partners such as your Boeing's uh, to develop equivalent capability. Uh, and and not only is it cheaper, but those guys haven't actually done it yet. So. Uh, 'm I'm, I'm not going to say that this is you know a completely private endeavor in that there's there was certainly government funding there oh, far and, from it yeah and and there aren't that many people uh, you know lining up to to uh, launch humans into space for private commercial uh purposes right now uh, but but we're a huge step closer to that today than or this week than we were uh, previously. It's, yeah. it's a big step in that direction.
0: That's uh, that's certainly where they want to go. They also and, have a competitor. And, and
1: their objective is is not simply to be a government contractor. They they're very oh, much yeah. looking beyond that. So uh, I, I don't think you know your 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 Boeing's and your Northrop's and your Lockheed's are really particularly interested in pursuing the uh, commercial slash civilian space market. Uh, they're much more interested in serving the military slash uh, you know government NASA market. Uh, so there's there's a, a dramatically different focus on the structure of the business, and as a result, the uh, the solutions that they're bringing to the table.
0: Yeah, private's going to be so interesting. because um, so I want to talk a little bit about the uh, Virgin, which is like Virgin Galactic, and now there's Virgin Orbit too. So they have two companies doing space, if I am to understand correctly. So I've been following Virgin Galactic for a long time because you know way back in. Uh, what, what was it like when they had spaceship one in like 2005 or something like that was that the that was one of those prizes uh, so they've been they've been at this for a long time uh, they recently had a failed test of something called launcher one this is from virgin orbit from the Mojave spaceport uh, but they're still they're still in the game. They're still working for it. Uh, so their their business uh, in in terms of that uh, in terms of Virgin Orbit is going to be launching small small satellites, private satellites into space for a for for a nice price.
1: And yeah, so that and, and is they're, their... they're they're kind of a fascinating approach. It's a very different uh, engineering design than uh, you know your your Blue Origin or your SpaceX. Uh, they're literally strapping a rocket onto I believe it's a seven forty seven. Mm. Uh, and they fly it up to altitude, and then they drop it off of the airplane. It sits under the wing, uh, kind of like right. a ginormous missile. So, so the one we saw, uh, and, and I saw the, the video afterwards.
0: Yeah, the, the the video that I saw, it was just the rocket goes straight up, and then after it detaches, it comes right back down to where it is, which is amazing. Hmm. Um, and so the one you're talking about with Virgin, it just it takes off horizontally.
1: Yeah, which uh, I, I I think uh, when I was when I was rereading about it this past week to watch that. That uh, well, not watch, but to follow along to the the launch test. Uh, they they mentioned they have uh, much much more demanding uh, gimbal requirements for their engine because uh, un- unlike a vertical launch uh, where you need to make some slight adjustments in the vectoring of your thrust, uh, with a horizontal launch you need a much greater range of motion for that uh, for that main engine. Uh, hmm. So that they, they they gain a lot of capability by not having to use the rockets to lift it the first whatever it is 30,000 feet uh, but it, it does introduce some new challenges to them um, and, so, and full disclosure uh, I I did have some uh, some professional involvement with with virgin orbit back in 2015 2016 um, through through the the company I work for uh, for for their their launcher one product and I'm, I'm not directly working with them now but they've I've certainly been following them closely since at least that that far back so yeah,
0: very cool. So, um, what what are the capabilities that you think they gain by doing the the horizontal launch?
1: Uh, it's it's not so much that they gain by doing the horizontal. It's that uh, the the well the, the rocket equation kind of gets to it. the The most demanding, the most costly part of your launch is the first section, and the further right. the further so, along. So you hold get, on, before we go on, the rocket
0: equation. Is. If if I am to understand this correctly, the rocket equation tells you how. How big the rocket you need to leave earth is that is that what it is
1: that, that's that's what it boils down to is you know, okay. to, to get this much weight to to this 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 orbit. Uh, how much fuel do you need? Um, which right. is fuel is the, uh, there, there's a there's a, a rule of thumb and it it obviously there are a lot more detailed variables in there, but it's something like for a traditional rocket launch, ninety percent of your mass on takeoff is fuel uh, because not only do you have to bring all your cargo um, and and you know the shell of the rocket and the engines, but you got to bring all the fuel and the more fuel you put in the tanks the more fuel you need to lift the fuel you just put in the tanks uh, so by by cutting off the first even if it's only you know 5% of the altitude that's the most expensive 5% for them uh so so by right, because doing any, that with the aircraft
0: I think uh, I understand so like any fuel that you put in at the beginning you're going to have to ca- like if the if half the fuel is used halfway up, I, I know that's not exact, but like, <laughs> then the other half of the fuel has to be carried by that first half. That whole right. way up.
1: It's it's a it's a classic differential equation problem, and that's that's why you see um you saw in in the SpaceX launch, uh, they use staged rockets. So uh, that was. Uh, think it was a two-stage rocket and then on top of the second stage was the dragon capsule Uh, it's because once you use up all the fuel in the first stage you want to dump all the weight of the first stage so you're not dragging that along for the rest of the trip
0: yeah so uh virgin galactic had uh and and virgin galactic is a little different but they both do uh, uh horizontal launches they had a big accident back in 2014 and i believe yeah at the time, they were trying to. They were being. They kept being like a couple more years. At, at one point, they were like in eighteen months. Branson is like, I'm going to be on this thing, and that accident really set them back big, didn't it?
1: Yeah, that was that was a huge blow, um, and I, I believe uh, they they lost one of their te- at least one of their test pilots in that. So that was that was a big deal, and they were kind of leading the pack at that point because uh, they'd done a bunch of I think suborbital flights. Um, and and yeah, while they were not necessarily sidelined, but while they had to go back to the drawing board and and uh, rethink how they were approaching the problem to make sure that that doesn't happen again, uh, we we saw SpaceX uh, and and to a lesser extent Blue Origin uh, close the gap and and uh, well you know now that now that SpaceX has, SpaceX has put uh, humans into orbit, that's that's the big benchmark there.
0: So, that yeah, and this is really interesting now that it, that you have multiple companies, you have an industry, you have, from what I understand, you know, uh, they're competing over talent, over engineering talent, just like, you know, right? Oh, yeah, people yeah, going that, back that's, and forth. that's one of the big things we noticed
1: and, when I was, was on site there in 2015, 2016. It seemed like at least half the people you spoke to uh, were former SpaceX people that – whether that's mm. because they jumped ship or because they were stolen away or just there's a lot of, I mean, you, you see that to a certain extent in Silicon Valley that uh, the, the big tech companies, there are a lot of people kind of hopping around between them.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's That was the, the analogy I was making. So, yeah, 2000s saw a lot of hope with Spaceship One. The space industry had many failed promises in the 2010s. Although Elon Musk's did have a very cool launch back in 2015, uh, but we did get the loss of the shuttle program. Perhaps this is uh, this is a sign that we are turning the corner now. Maybe uh, maybe the 2020s will have uh, will see more successful uh, private space launches. Yeah, than I, the I 2010s. certainly hope
1: so. It, it would it would be a, a kind of a. a, a not a moral boost but a a uh, you know this country needs some good news right now and and if we can mark up some wins in that column that's that's something um yeah. uh, on on the other side of that coin so, though I, uh we we did have in the last I, I don't know if it was this week or the week before the uh, the release of Space Force uh the uh Steve Carell comedy so uh that's that's going in a little I bit of a different know that. direction but uh if <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is actually that actually sounds like it's pretty funny. i, 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 uh, I some of the reviews have,
1: have not been super enthusiastic with it, but I, I've hmm. I've watched the first two episodes and I will be watching more. So it's it's at least that good.
0: Okay. That says something. I just remember Steve Carell in uh he's in Get Smart in, the, in well, he was in a lot <laughs> of things that I that I liked, but the get smart kind of reminds me of the vibe that I'm thinking for yeah, Space Force. Just maybe I mean, a little it's bit just of a that silly there. yeah.
1: Have, yeah. have, it's completely right. off topic. But did you ever watch the original Get Smarts, the the black and whites? Uh, uh not so. No,
0: not. I mean, I might have seen clips they, of it. So I, I
1: remember watching those so. as a kid, like at my grandma's house. And man, I went back and rewatched some a few years ago. uh They they have not aged well in the sense that, man, political correctness it was not a thing in that in that time period.
0: <laughs> no no uh definitely have you seen the first um star trek ones in the 60s uh, I've, I've
1: seen a couple of the episodes but but other than the fact that captain kirk always oh, gets so... lucky uh, I, I i don't remember much detail
0: no it well whew, yeah i mean <laughs> in in i think it was the pilot episode or some of them when they were like oh you can't let women onto the bridge it's <laughs> it's really uh it's really bad uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, they were trying to, Well, be, and at the time um, they
1: were groundbreaking in that oh, they had a, you know, a, yes. a multi gender, multi-racial crew. That was, that was almost scandalous.
0: Yeah. And they were trying to show the, um, you know, they were, they were maybe trying to show the closed mindedness of the captain with, with, with statements like that, but it, it's Still almost makes like it, it. Yeah. It looks so, it sounds so weird now. Um, and um yeah uh, it is weird how the the um entertainment that is meant to be politically that is meant to be not politically but it is meant to be culturally progressive sometimes ages the worst (laughs) after well on that note
1: to, to bring it back a little bit um and i i can't remember if you if you said it right or not but um i know there there is a concerted effort going on uh to use the proper terminology at NASA right now uh, is that they are they are human missions, human human space flight. Okay. Um, that I can that, get behind uh, that. It's 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 easy to slip back into referring to them as manned missions, uh, but but that is right. That is not the the proper term for the day. So uh, I I will endeavor to use the the correct terminology there, um, and uh, I, I I see a bright future for for human space flight uh, and and robotic space flight uh, in in tandem with it.
0: All right. Well, we had the human mission uh, today or this past week Uh, in the U.S., uh, the Trump administration, I'm sure he's not the only one who wants this. They want a human mission to the moon by 2024. So this would be a huge deal if it happens. I hate to be now. I'm like huge deal, <laughs> huge deal. But you know, <laughs> big win. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, no, it sounds it sounds well. It sounds so silly now. But hey, Metaculus has this as maybe a 20 percent chance of happening of somebody landing on the moon. And if that happens, that would be a huge deal. I mean. Someone landing on the moon in 69 was a big deal, but it has not happened in our lifetimes since, I want yeah, to say the 70s. was early 70s was, so,
1: was the last Apollo flight.
0: So the first one was the 69. So that's like three, two and a half years. How much? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is, uh, that, yeah, I, that well, would I, be pretty exciting. I think there were only exciting. five missions.
1: Uh, so th- there's there's, there's yeah. another related uh, question to that uh, that I, I, I I don't know off the top of my head what the wording on it is, but it's something about you know, will by by the the date twenty thirty or twenty forty, will will there be uh, you know more more people who've who've landed on the who are who are alive that have landed on the moon you know since twenty twenty or or from before Uh, because we've got you know there's a fixed number who who landed in the Apollo program and they're slowly uh, being lost to time. Uh, Will will we be able to Mm. get back there? And once we do. How quickly will we ramp it up? Uh, is it going to be kind of a one and done? Prove we did it again. So wait, or are we actually going to be able to establish a moon base and have regular transit back and forth?
0: Yeah. So I understand, but what was the actual uh, the the score system? The prediction was oh, it before? I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to, to the, see if
1: I can find that one. Yeah.
0: Okay. Is the same number of people? Uh, before versus after i, I was a little yeah, confused yeah i'm by, i'm not doing it justice uh, but
1: give, give me a minute and i will i will seek okay. it out <laughs> well so there's one for when will the next human being walk on the moon
0: so that, that that's there's there's a will it happen by 2024 and that there's a 20% chance right. of um but then there's a yeah it date looks like the, the community well.
1: consensus right now is at uh, September of 2031 yeah well
0: that's a long time I don't want to wait uh, that long.
1: It's it's possible that I'm mixing up questions here because I'm, I'm not seeing it in the space section under moon, but uh, there's there's an interesting one about when will Mars... Oh, no, that's Mars. Uh, I thought there was a moon one about that. Oh, yeah. Will Mars have a permanent population of 10,000 before the moon does? That's an interesting one. So you
0: might understand this more than me, but it seems like the moon would have a big population before Mars does just because it's so much easier to get to. But... Uh, what's the counter argument to that?
1: Uh, I I think it's it's a, a question of what can you do there, you know? It, right. do you need ten thousand people on the. What moon? can you
0: do in any of those places? It's a desolate. Both are desolate planets. I mean, I'm, the moon's not a planet, but you know what I mean. Desolate planets that uh, do not support life, and are miserable to be in. And uh, what are they like? Um, uh, precious metals or something we could bring back i mean it'd be too yeah, expensive it wouldn't to so much bring be for bringing it
1: back but i feel like the the advantage of numbers would be bigger by having you know more people to do more stuff on mars than on the moon
0: Well you need you need yeah. to have well, an and, economy and because with the moon you can um, and you'd still live.
1: easily transit back and forth so do you need that many people there permanently But right right yeah. okay a I lot guess. of open questions there <laughs> All right
0: Cool. Well, I always like talking about this topic and, and learning something new about space. Certainly, that launch was, um, uh, even though happening during an interesting week, during an interesting few months. I mean, people are going to be looking back at that launch and and seeing all of the people in the control room with their masks and being yeah. six feet apart, and and people will be asking, "Oh, why is that happening?" Oh, this was during that pandemic, huh? That uh, who knows how future generations will look at that, but. Um, that would be because I wouldn't be surprised if I was looking at something in World War One and saw people mask. Oh, yeah, that pandemic that I barely knew about. Um, so something like that. But it's it's really crazy. But I'm I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we had this this piece of news come out this week.
1: Yeah. And, and it, it went as smooth as they could have possibly hoped for. So uh, it's it's nice to see, see things. Yeah. Go and we all right for once.
0: <laughs> yeah. We, we know that doesn't always happen with space. All right. So. Next week, I don't have a specific plan for next week yet, but I do have a few plans. Like I said, I want someone um, uh, in to talk about uh, data visualization, which I think is really important these days. I'm going to try to have a series on the Electoral College, given that the presidential race is coming up, and I'm going to try to uh, approach it from more of a, a social choice angle. So I'm going to talk about the you know, the mathematical properties of the Electoral College. But then I'm also going to I'm going to interview someone who wrote a book about it, who's defending the Electoral College. And I may even get to interview an elector who was in the Electoral mm-hmm. College about their experiences. So this will be uh, this will be an interesting series. Um, also try to get some more technical topics in the next few weeks. So look out for that. Aaron, I hope you thanks for joining me at this late <laughs> hour, this crazy week. And uh, I hope you'll I hope you will join me again for another local maximum. All right. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week.